Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Stages Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I love summer. Everybody knows that when you walk on the beach, you feel better, but did you know why? Every time a wave splashes on the sand, it produces something called negative ions that elevate our mood. But sometimes we need a little more guidance than the sun, sand, and surf can provide. That's where better help can come in. A good therapist can guide us to better understanding life's ebbs and flows. BetterHelp offers customized online therapy, either on video or live phone chat sessions. You can speak with someone in under 48 hours and BetterHelp is more affordable than in-person therapy. Right now, Stages podcast members receive 10% off their first month with BetterHelp. So how about it? Get out in the sunshine, get some sand between your toes and give BetterHelp a call. So many of our listeners have called BetterHelp and we thank you because when you support our sponsors, you support Stages podcast all while supporting your own well-being. So log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P slash stages and start loving life. everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have had a great little break here at Stages Podcast, and we know that we promised you something very exciting upon our return for act two of season two, but um, we can't talk about it yet. So you're just going to have to keep waiting. Cool your jets, people. Cool your jets. We don't know yet the details, so we cannot yet tell y'all. Show business. (laughs) But what we do have is me and Steph, and we're going to chit chat a little bit today. And I will tell you this though, we have amazing guests. Um, we are like booked man until January and we have so many awesome guests and we can't wait to share them all with you. And we're going to have a new kind of format, a new kind of schedule. What we're going to do is every other Sunday from now on. So they'll no longer be like a big Christmas break and a big summer break. We're just going to do every other Sunday all year round. So you never have to miss us ever again. <laughs> I miss you. I miss them. It's amazing. It's like change couldn't possibly do that. As soon as I'm in it, oh, this feels right. I miss what happened. Then I go back to what happened. I miss what just was before. What is wrong? (laughs) Sometimes the things you most wish for are not to be be touched. Oh, I'm actually going to see that in a couple of days. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. And that's the ticket. I'm bringing my mom because. You know, my mom and I have sung Sondheim in my car since, you know, I was a kid. So um, my mom, my husband, it's going to be so much fun. And I can't wait. That's just one of my most favorite shows ever. Yeah. And people are going berserk. I think the themes from that show are so applicable. Um, One of which we already know, James Lapine, Stephen Sondheim, genius. To take all these fairy tales that then like merge together all their lives, all their wants, all their hurts and fears and have them teach each other, affect each other. Um, It's really just genius. And I, I cannot wait to sit in the theater and watch it, but to know that it started at Encore and everybody just was like, yeah, let's just make something that's genius, bare bones, because the people, the story and the themes work regardless of 
how many bells and whistles you have. Then for it to move, Jordan Roth to see this gem and move it. And now people are just hungry for it because it speaks to the soul. I was listening yesterday to the soundtrack because I haven't heard it in a while. And, you know, I'm getting in my, my, into the woods mode. And I was listening to um, No More. No more questions. No more tests. And it is so where we all are right now. Yeah. No more. No more. Yeah. You know? and, 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 and the line that really struck me was um, that one, uh, left by, f- no more curses you can't undo, left by fathers you never knew. And all I could think of was the Constitution and what we're all going through. And I was like, this is so applicable to life with COVID and with the Roe Wade thing and with everything that's happening, it, it was so, listen to it with fresh ears and you're gonna be like, whoa, it, it was almost prescient. And then the other thing that was really interesting is I did this thing the other night and I told the story. And in the story, I talked about the aspen trees. So if you look at a grove of aspen trees, it's not individual trees, it's one tree. It's one root. It's actually mm-hmm. the largest living organism on earth. Mm-hmm. and. So that root system is so powerful. It can shoot a million shoots inside of an acre. And the reason it's designed that way is so that if there's a forest fire, all it takes is one shoot to survive. And then that shoot will go back to the root system and regrow its growth. Mm-hmm. And the opposite side of that is that if one shoot gets like a sooty fungal disease, it can go down and damage a large part of the growth, right? Wow. And that's sort of what Into the Woods is, like the way they're all connected and everybody's choice makes somebody else's choice matter. And every time they blame someone, they're just redirecting this energy, but it just comes back to them. And every time you wish or you're unhappy for something, how it affects your life in an unexpected way. Right? I just think, into the Woods is really quite a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show. And you know, you said in these times and how everything is resonating with us. First of all, listeners, I know I sound like B. Arthur. I know, I know, I know. I woke up. I don't know. I'm not sick. And yet I could sing bass today. Good morning. Um, But maybe we as living beings have just all of these points are just repeated over and over. It's like these human themes and struggles and like you said, blames and growth. It's the same. It's the same for every generation. It's the same for any community of people. We happen to be living in these times where those lyrics are then dissected and translated in a certain way from our understanding of what we're living through. But I guarantee you, had these lyrics been played a hundred years ago, people would be like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we're living through right now. And it makes me sad though. Of course, it's heartbreaking. No. And no matter how hard you try to enlighten your kids. And I mean, I get it is really different. If you think about the 70s when, when I grew up, school is very different. Kids are much kinder. There's much more acceptance, but you hope, you hope that that's not going to be true forever. I don't know. Or maybe it is the same horrible human patterns, but repeated under different circumstances. I don't know. But I feel like we do learn. And then I feel like we forget. I feel like whatever habitual makeup is in us as beings, it, it, that is the sort of kick in, right? We actively work toward being better. 
and being present and being kinder. But I think if you are not consciously working at it every day, it it goes back to that sort of lack, as sad as it sounds. Well, I think if we think about it as, you know, as that root system, right? So you get to choose what are you going to put into the root system? Are you going to put in the empathy and caring and the regeneration, or are you going to put in the fear and the fungus and right destroys? And if you're aware that that's your choice, I remember reading this thing. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember now. It just made me think of it. It's talking about setting goals and the power of choice in setting goals, right? So they were saying, instead of looking at the things that you've um, had to let go of or, 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 um, reduce in your life in order to achieve a goal. So let's, okay. Let just for an example, let's say you have this goal and the goal is, okay, no more sugar. You're just going to give up sugar for health reasons because you want, um, to reduce all the inflammation in your body. Okay. And you've, and you've set yourself a goal. Here's my goal by January. When I have my physical, I want these specific test results, whatever it is. So now every time you go out with your friends and let's say they're all having cocktails and you're like, oh God, I can't have a cocktail. So instead of feeling that deprivation, you, you, you ask yourself, does this choice support my goal? Mm -hmm. And it makes it easier to choose. But then if you do decide, you know what, screw it, I'm having some cocktails or I'm having the ice cream or whatever it is you've decided, it's a conscious choice which literally changes the energy around that choice. And it, it's still, you still have the negative effects of the sugar physically, but you have no, it's no longer this unconscious, subconscious dulling of some other thing. You're right. aware of your choice and why you're doing it. And you don't feel deprived. Right, because it's not happening to you. You are controlling the situation. Yeah. It's an active, yeah, yeah, it's an active choice. Yeah, I don't know why I just told you that story. Well, <laughs> No, I think it's a great thing because it, it, it does reflect what we were just talking about, that you have to be active. You have to wake up every day and say, I am doing this. I am choosing to be this. I will right. respond in this way. Because if, if you don't, then whatever the circumstance may be, that is going to choose it for you or someone else is going to come in and choose it for you. If we're going back to the end of the woods theme, which I kind of love, I kind of want to stay on this for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> well, it applies to everything. It, it kind of does. And I was even just going to say too, um, sometimes people's strategy is to let life decide for them. They just, they- That's not me. Decisions. No, it's not me either. No. But, but a lot of people do that because then they're not responsible for the outcome. Life chose it for them. Okay. Okay. Even into the woods. Let's see. Where would that theme be in Into the Woods? Wow. Oh my gosh. Now I feel like we're doing a college dissertation, but let me, am I allowed to look at lyrics or anything on my phone? Yes. Okay. Hold please. I'll be looking some things up. Is it Jack? Because he is being told what to do by his mother. He is being kind of bamboozled by the baker and his wife with the beans, but also being dared being dared by, by little red. So he's being challenged and yet it, it does turn out to his advantage. You know, he gets the gold. Does he live in the end? I don't even remember if he's alive by the end. I think he does live, but little red is another example. She's just easily led. The wolf leads her off the path. Ooh, but no, but she learns the lesson. She starts out that way. And then she's like, Mm-mm, here's my weapon. Here's my, my wolf's, my wolf skin. I am not making the same mistake twice. Exactly. 
So at least she learns. That's such a great character. I love that character. And then there's the baker's wife who, who is so determined to get what she wants that she's almost unethical, right? She, she is. She lies. She twists yep. the truth. She says she's not a bad person, but she's so uh, narrowly focused on her outcome. She, she can rationalize anything. anything. She'll rationalize it. I think mm-hmm. the whole play is about rationalization. They rationalize all of their choices and all of their unkindnesses to each other. Yeah, especially the witch and the baker's wife, for sure. Um, the mysterious man. I can't remember if there's a reason why he disappeared from the baker's... Oh, spoiler alert, everybody. Yeah. Spoiler alert. The witch cast a spell on them in some way. Right. He, the witch cast a spell on them because he stole the beans and she took their child away. And the mother was so upset that the mother died. So who raised the baker? I don't know. Oh, listeners, do you know? Ca- cast a, members. That's a hole in the plot. Ooh, James Lapine, ringy ding ding. We have a question. <laughs> Uncle James, James. Uncle James, James. Who raised the baker? The wolves? <laughs> else is really interesting is the witch who's supposed to be the really the bad guy. She's the only one who was like, dude, you guys stole my beans. Like, yeah, Yeah, it all started. She's the one who tells the truth. And she's the one who, you know, she's the only one. She was in my. No, no, no. I'm disagreeing. She stole a child. They stole her beans. And that's a whole different conversation. Paralleling beans with babies, because that's that's a whole different thing. <laughs> seeds. Well, seeds are babies, right, people? Seeds are babies. I was looking at the lyrics to First Midnight. And so it's essentially what our conversation is. No knot unties itself. True. Responsible for your own unknotting. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes the things you most wish for are not to be touched. Of course you could lust something, but not really love it or really want it in your life. I always do this to go back to, we're so show busy today. Oh my gosh. But when we are, if I do get a role, I always ask myself, am I wanting to be chosen or am I wanting to do this part and live this life for the next six months to a year, right? So some things that you really, really want, are you just wanting it for the moment? Are you just wanting to be recognized? Or are you really wanting to live the life, do the work, you know, get down to the nitty gritty? Well, here's another interesting thing about that is people confuse how hard it is to get something with how good it is to have. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Just because some say that again for me, say that again. People confuse how hard it is to get something or achieve something with how good it is to have it in the end. Just because something is really hard to achieve doesn't mean it's something that you must have, right? So here we go. Baker's wife, Baker's wife. You may know what you need, but to get what you want, better see that you keep what you have. But opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. And I have always said that there is no such thing as luck. It's when opportunity meets preparedness. And then you go there, you find, you know, your dream. Um, and it meets courage too, because you got to have the courage to jump up and grab it. Then there's Rapunzel. Ah, 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 ah. So it could be in pain, ah, or aha, or ah. This is to your own interpretation, listeners. 
Um, oh, here we go. The prettier the flower, the farther from the path. That also relates to how difficult it is. Yes, the work. I love slotted spoons don't hold much soup. Yeah. But then later she says, the slotted spoon can catch the potato. Ah. Ah. But I think that that lyric reflects um, how you view something. So, So something can be more than one thing. A slotted spoon might not be good for soup. But and so you automatically dismiss it when really you're not thinking about the other side of that. that the slotted spoon can still do the job of a different nature. Yes, 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 yes. You're just like I need more coffee. No, <laughs> it is. This is very early for B. My B Arthur voice is like what? This is happening. People, we logged on before eight in the morning. Well, this is the thing. I don't drink coffee, but today I made a coffee, and I think that's why I'm talking so much and so fast. <laughs> And now you may just drink it more because you are sounding very smart, Mary Lee. What was something in your household like these looking up? Oh, gosh, I even need to look up the name of the song for. Oh, see, I would have called it One Midnight Gone and it's called First Midnight. Okay, so the title of the song is First Midnight. If you want to go back and look at all these lyrics, were you raised with little sayings like this that were, were repeated to you by parents or my dad had some funny ones. He used to do this thing. You know, I remember hearing how, um, I think it was Audrey Hepburn had a mirror by her front door and every day she would stop by the mirror before she left the house and she would remove one thing. Chanel. Oh, it's Coco Chanel. Okay. My father used to do something similar. He would stop by the mirror to check his hair because it was very important. And he never took anything off, but he'd look over and he'd go, simplicity. (laughs) Simplicity, the height of fashion. And he'd walk out the door. (laughs) Meanwhile, nothing simple. Black silk shirt, gold chain, pinky rings, the hair. Simplicity, the height of fashion. I do that at Christmas when I'm pulling out like my 35 bins and my, you know, seven Christmas trees. I just look at seven. I say, minimalism, darling. Minimalism. <laughs> I remember one Christmas, I brought you a box of ornaments and stuff. And Steph just looked at me and he was like, do you know how many Christmas ornaments she has? I'm like, these are just going to get lost, aren't they? I thought I was touching on something I knew she loved, but they're just going to get lost. But they're just No, mama, to this day, that's, and this is what you want from every ornament. I'll pick up those little, it was, um, Oh, like nickel colored, right? Uh, That's so funny. You do little acorns that were held together with silver bows. And I was like, oh, Mary Lee and Michael gave me these. Like it is a total recall when it comes to that sort of. So it's never, yes, it's a lot. But for me, it doesn't feel like excess. It becomes excess when you're like, where did I get this? What memory does it hold? And it, then, then it's nothing. Then it's just taking up space. But if you can put a person, a place, a memory, a joy to it, then it's still worthwhile to me. So I'm sure that you give with that in mind too. I'll bet you give really thoughtful gifts and you thought it through because you want, because your expectation is that other people will receive the way you receive. Yes, I try, I try to do that way. And it's, it's literally throughout the year that if something reminds me of someone or something, then off they go. But what were the sayings in your house? Life isn't fair, Stephanie. Life isn't fair. (laughs) Because I would always, right? My nickname was Little Me Too. I'm sure every listener that you already heard how I 
really wanted to be like my sister growing up. I wanted to have what she had. I wanted to look like her. And so they called me little me too. So if she got anything, whether that was a gift or an opportunity or a compliment, I would say me too, me too. And finally, at a certain age, my parents were just like, life isn't fair because I always wanted to justify. I always wanted the right to get the reward or the merit to get the reward. Oh, now we're going back to Into the Woods. Isn't there a line that says, good isn't right? Oh, looking it up. Hold everybody. Yeah, the witch says it. Oh yeah, the witch says it at the, in the last midnight. It's like, I'm not good. I'm not nice. I'm just right. Good, I'm not nice. I'm just right. right. But then who defines what's right? No, but but I think what she's saying is I'm in the facts. I'm sticking to the facts. And you guys are all making assumptions and blaming and I'm just sticking to the facts. Here are the facts. And I think that's what she's saying. Uh, you, You don't have to think of me as good and I'm not nice. Here are the facts. I think that's the point of that, what she's saying in there. But you know, the, the, the thing about with little kids, um, because I think it's normal for little kids to want what the next kid got. But what you learn later on is like life is a complex barter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just because I mm-hmm. give you $10 doesn't mean you give me $10. It means maybe mm-hmm. the next time we walk past a flower shop and I want flowers and don't have the money to buy flowers, you buy me flowers. And that's right. So it's a complex barter. And, and that's an emotional state too, right? I mean, I might provide um, support for you in a certain way but don't expect that exact kind of support back. You give me a different kind of support in a different kind of way. And I think that that's like, I think complex barters and when you can really understand them is what makes relationships really work. So it can't be eye for eye all the time. No, do you mean like five beans for a cow, really? <laughs> beans, yeah. That then have a stock that then give you a golden egg. Or could lead to your death. The choice is yours. Depends on what goes on. But again, how hard it is to get something with how good it is to have. Guys, Into the Woods is life. And I want shirts made. Into the Woods is life. No, here's the deal. Months have passed. We have been doing interviews, which I, I must admit, you said we took a great pause and we, we did, and it was very nice. But when we sat down to pre-record our first interview, how good did that feel? So good. I know. We were a little rusty. And when we were saying the bio for this extraordinary person, like my tongue was tied. I had to repeat it several <laughs> times. Um, but the conversation within 20 minutes was free flowing. We were back to our ridiculous selves. We were able to disarm each other and have a really beautiful open conversation, which is always the goal. And so we're, we are excited to uh, air and release these episodes that we've already recorded because the discussions are, it runs the gamut, but it's always so interesting to hear from people and their, their walks of life, their paths. I have fun news too, though, coming up for me in the, in the fall. Talk to me. I'm in, I'm one of the investors in Kimberly Akimbo. (gasps) Chance is, um, you know, one of the above the title producers and and I have a production company now together. And so we're investing in this show together and I can't wait. Oh, I think that's a great one to invest in. One, because it seems to be not only a a great piece, right? Commercially, it it got great reviews. People are loving it. Um, 
but it seems like a passion project for a lot of the people that created it were in it at the Atlantic theater. Mm -hmm. So it's not just people seeing dollar signs. It's really being created for what I consider artistic reasons and putting good out into the world and your audience is leaving with a whole different sort of um, energy and spiritual understanding. And that's so you. So when art and that come together, uh, that's exciting. That was sort of how I felt about uh, Come From Away. Uh You walked into that theater expecting one thing and you left changed. Yeah. And it's, it was a story about the human experience and it was about what you put into that root system, right? That's right. That's right. Kimberly Akimbo is about too. It's this, it's edifying. It has this human experience element and it's not this gigantic story, but a small intimate story. And um, anyway, I'm really looking forward to, to that. When people ask me about Come From Away, they're like, should I see it? I was like, well, do you need the best hug you've ever had in your whole life? Mm -hmm. Then go see it. You will feel full like you just got hugged. It's too bad that's closing. I love that show. I know. I know. There's a lot of of shift and change. My God, you know what's so funny? I just looked over my bookshelf and there's um, the Come From Away book on top of the Sondheim book. (laughs) And is it, look, I made a hat. What's the yeah. Sondheim book you're looking yeah, finishing at? Finishing the hat. Finishing the hat. I have both. Of them. But isn't that funny? I yeah. have anything on that bookshelf. And those are the two books, that and the Hamilton book. Nerd, nerd. No, nerd, you're nerd. a nerd, but in the no, best, really, best, yeah. best, best, best sense. And then the only other book over there is my um, book of cards. Do you have, have the book of cards? I've had this book for like 30 years. I don't. I pick angel cards and things like that. I pick warrior cards. Your birthday, everybody's birthday aligns with a a card. When's your birthday again? I'm a Virgo, September the 19th. Talk like a pirate day. September the 19th. Your card is the five of clubs. And what does that mean to me? Well, you have to go through the whole book and look it up. So I am the nine of diamonds. Um, Five of clubs. Seb's birthday. Uh, he's November the 5th. He's a Scorpio. Deb is two of diamonds. So then what you do is you go into this book and you can read what it means to be a five of clubs. Okay. And then it's kind of complex, but then it's your, your year is broken up into like six cycles. So you can look up your cycle, which starts on a specific day. And depending what cards fall in that cycle, you can kind of see like what's happening in your life. So the basic meaning of five of clubs, change of mind and of plans is the basic meaning of the five of clubs. A five can mean a change in residence. (laughs) See, travel opportunities, five of clubs may also mean a restlessness. It brings desire to always explore new realms, at least on a mental level, if it cannot be physical. Whenever this card appears in a reading, it's a signal for change in your life. You will likely often feel dissatisfaction with things as they are, and you want to progress to new areas. Be open to new plans, new ideas, new places to go. The only negative side of this card is an unwillingness to commit to oneself in a particular belief or philosophy. Wow. The cycles come in specific things. And so you can read like, oh, the next six weeks, this is what my cycle is. So you wanted me to look up what's the- July the 31st for today's, today's podcast. Um, that's a 10 of hearts. 
basic meaning for the Ten of Hearts. It literally means the heart represents people. So this card can speak about activities involving large numbers of people that you may love to communicate with. Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, this book is like freaky magic. Um, it is sort of like 10 of clubs, but it, it will deal more with family circles and friends or an audience of musicians, artists, and other performers. Oh my gosh. It is a high manifestation card. It brings success in the public with large groups of people. This is weird. Y'all, today's the day. I swear, today's I didn't, I didn't make this up. Like this is in the book. I swear. Today's the day to communicate. Today's the day to get together with the artistic um, fellowship in your life. Wait, Manifest what you want. Okay, keep going. Keep going. To get the most out of this card. Plan your advertising and the commercial campaigns. <laughs> oh my god. Hello, fellow business partner. Are you listening to us in this very day? At the very least, this card represents a social occasion or a party where you are very well received and you have a wonderful time. It will also represent marriage or a large family gathering. Enjoy the Ten of Hearts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The Destiny card book. I've had this book. My friend in California, when I was out in California living in LA, um, I made friends with this woman. It was a crazy story. I had my dog, Natick, who was the greatest dog to ever walk exist. He was the smartest, most incredible dog. He was human. Anyway, Natick and I moved out to California and I was at a dog park and Natick didn't always like other dogs. He was more like all about me, you know, didn't need other people, didn't need other dogs. And we get to this brand new dog park and it was right under the Hollywood sign because I lived right on Beachwood, right under the Hollywood. Oh, totally. And there was a dog park right there. So I would drive him up to the dog park. He jumps out of the car and bolts away from me. She never does. Runs up to this massive Rottweiler mixed dog and starts playing. And I was like, well, that's weird. He never does that. So I'm just sitting on the bench having a coffee. And this woman walks up to me and she's like, hey, that your dog? I go, yeah. She goes, that's my dog. And my dog never plays with other dogs. I go, mine doesn't either. She's like, we're definitely meant to be friends. And <laughs> And we just became friends. And she's the one who gave me that destiny card. We'll leave the title and the author of the book in the links. Check it out. That, that's wild. Yeah. I mean, I, I always believe there's, a, there's, there's always going to be a, a piece of my pie that believes in all the woo-woo. But golly, for it to hit me personally, for it to hit why we're dropping on this very day. So what is, I'm going back to into the woods. I'm going into the woods. Um, what's the quote that is sitting with you from the oh, show? From the show? Yeah. I think for me, I would think it would, it would, it would be something from No One Is Alone because, uh, well, I love that song, but also I, to, it, to me, it goes back to the roots that even when you think you're alone, you're not alone, you know? And I also love the lyric, um, Witches can be right. Giants can be good. You decide what's right. You decide what's good. Just remember, someone is on your side. You're not alone. And I love that because we make all these assumptions, especially now, especially after, you know, what this country has been through in the last couple of presidencies and stuff. We want to label everybody and make them bad and make them different and make them wrong. And 
And it's not about that, right? Witches can be right and giants can be good. Like the, the giant was good. She helped Jack. He stole from her, you know? So, so you want to label her this evil giant who comes down and kills everybody. Or you want to label the witch bad when really her garden was, was what does she see? Robbing me, raping me. It meant a lot to her. And someone came in and just dismissed her feelings. And now she's the bad guy. And so it's very interesting um, how we do those labels. So I think for me, that would be, you know, um, witches can be right. Giants can be good. You decide what's right. You decide what's good. I like that line. Um, children will listen. I guess any lyric oh, outside yeah. of children will listen. Careful of the things you say. Children will listen. They may not obey, but they will listen. Well, and then wishes are children. Oh my oh, gosh. My yes. Wishes are children. It's like, <sighs> that, it's true. Like you birth your future by these wishes that you make in your heart. And, oh. I'm going off track, but I always contemplate getting a tattoo. It's literally every single day. I'm like, can I do it? Can I pull this off? But I always, Vivi cannot stop without picking up. I don't know if they're called dandelions, the the puffy ones that you blow and make a wish, right? Those are dandelions. And that wishes or children comes to me because the tattoo I envision is that poofy dandelion. And then some of them are coming off, but they're V's and I's to spell Vivi. Beautiful. I should do it, right? Just get it done. You should do it. You know what? We all made a pact when Seb turns 18, we're all going to get tattoos. Really? Yeah. I love that. I know. On Seb's 18th birthday. Do you know what you're getting? Um, I think about it often. I haven't decided, though I do love that. I also loved um, Matt Doyle's image of the Oh, the feather. Oh, the arrow. arrow. Right. I thought of a feather, but you're right. It was an arrow. It was both. He had a feather and an arrow. The further back you go, into the darkness and the depths of yourself. Yes, the further you fly, if you can get past it, that's right. Which I really loved that imagery. Um, I might put a feather in the arrow because I also have the imagery of the feather because like the center line, there's like whole meaning behind it in, um, you know, if you look up the meanings of feathers, whatever. I love that. I also love the thought of like a cyclical moon. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I don't going to do something. I don't know where I'm going to put it yet either. Oh, listeners, we are so edgy. We are so at the. <laughs> I almost got one years ago when I lived in Tahiti. I came really, really close to getting a Tahitian tribal band. Ooh. And I was like 22 years old or something. And I was going to get it. And I was trying to decide where to get it. That I was going to put it on my finger so I could cover it up with a ring if I didn't, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Um, so I chickened out. And then when I got home, about 10 years after that, tribal bands were everywhere. And I was like, thank God. But now, is it culturally appropriate? Like now people may be looking at that going, aha, I know appropriation is. This is a really interesting thing too, though. If, if If a Tahitian friend told me this was what your band should be and I and shared it with mm. me and dawned it on me, then I think that that's not appropriation. And when I was I agree. Mexico, I was that's gifting. To- Somebody from the culture is gifting yeah. you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a sweat lodge when I was in um, New Mexico over the spring. And I was talking to um, an indigenous man. And I said to him, I've been told that I'm not supposed to burn sage. And I burn sage all the time. And I said, someone told me I'm not allowed to burn a white sage. And is that wrong? Am I, is that something I shouldn't do? And he was like, 
That's absurd. We don't care. We don't care if you burn sage. Why would I care? If you want to take something from my culture, as long as you treat it with respect, honor it, honor the meaning behind what you're doing. Absolutely. And then you gave me a big smudge. But if you understand the meaning and you, and you give thanks and you put gratitude and understanding into that root system, then, then that's okay. Then I think it's okay. But, but that's just my opinion and it may not be popular. But, and the people I've asked have, have absolutely said like, no. but I don't know. No, I'm with you. Yeah. If the honor and the respect and the intention is there. And, you know, you asked, is this, yeah. is this appropriate? Tim, I said, thank you for sharing this um, sweat lodge with me. This was like, it was truly remarkable. Like, I can't wait to do it again one day. I said, this was a really transformative thing. I really, really loved understanding more deeply this part of your culture. And I appreciate you sharing with me. And he said, oh, no, we're happy to share. And I said, do you have parts of your culture that you keep only for yourself? And he said, absolutely. Uh Very sacred things that are only for us. And we have things that we share with everyone because we want people to understand what we believe in and our respect for the earth and our respect and that what we feel it ties us to the earth and ties us to other living beings. And if, we, if you can share that outside of your culture, it only makes the world a better place. So we have very specific things we share and very specific things we don't. And that's the difference. Sharing and taking. I think that's what hurts is when we, ta- we yes. claim ownership and take from other cultures, races, religions. Don't steal from someone else's garden. No, that's back to into the woods. Because into the woods is life. <laughs> all right, you all. We'll uh, see you all again in two weeks um, yes. with brand new guests, really interesting points of view and voices, different mediums this time around, which is really exciting. Um, and we're just grateful. Here we go. Happy act two. Make sure you uh, use the restroom, grab a cocktail. <laughs> Masks are optional since you're in your own home and enjoy act two. We're glad to be back. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week. 